You're listening to PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome, everybody. I'm Jamie Megdahl, and you are listening to Pets Mean Business on Pet Life Radio Network. And I'm so glad you're here. We had such a great time on the show. We've been hearing amazing feedback from people, you know, really kind of getting a sense of what it is to work with pets and be in the $60 billion pet industry outside of the more obvious things like dog food, and manufacturing, veterinary. Not that those things aren't awesome. They are. But there's so many other things that people do in this pet industry. And that's really the whole point of the show is to, you know, bring that out there and share it and talk about it. And... And make it something that is a discussion, not just a mystery. Because I think that the pet industry for a long time and still to some major degree is kind of a mystery. But, you know, I've been doing this for, well, this show I've been doing for, I think, about six months or so. It's been awesome. But I've been in the pet industry for about 20, uh, 22 years. And which I'll tell you, not yet still. I say this every time, but I'm cool with saying it again. There's not really a day that goes by that I don't feel incredibly grateful that I found this industry and that I've met the people I've met and I've had the experiences that I've had. But more importantly is that I haven't had a day go by where I haven't felt inspired or intrigued or or just almost in bewilderment about what people have done to bring their passion for pets into their life in a very meaningful way that really becomes their career. And so when the discussion about this show kind of came on and what would this show be like and what will we talk about and, you know, what are we hoping to accomplish? For me, it was just about let's get some great people, which let's get some great people on the show to tell their story how they got from what they were doing before they worked with pets to where they are today. And we've had incredible guests. And I mean, just, I mean, people who are, you know, they're just animal welfare folks and technologists and creators and inventors and authors. I mean, a veterinary, I mean, everyone, there's just the most incredible, impressive people. And the reason that we have that roster is because it is so vast and so overwhelmingly wonderful, all of the things that people do when it comes to applying their passion to the animal world. So today's no different. Today is no different. I've got an amazing guest today. I'm so excited. I can hardly even breathe. Did you hear me panting? I'm so excited. When we come back from break, I will introduce her. But let me just say that I'll give you a teaser. Pinups for pit bulls. Uh, yeah, it's exactly what you think. Uh, when we get back, we'll, we'll talk to the woman who represents that brand, that amazing, um, well, I'll, I'll wait till she's here to talk more about it. So when we come back, we'll talk about pimps for pitbulls and uh, we'll talk about dogs and we'll talk about business and we'll talk about taking risks and we're talking about just everything that makes, makes this industry awesome. So I'm Jamie McDowell, I'm your host. We're going to take a quick break and we will be back. At Red Barn, our pet food ingredients work overtime. They aren't just there for show. Dandelion greens work to maintain a healthy digestive system. Salmon oil works to enhance the immune system. Green-lipped mussels work to support joint health. These hard-working ingredients support your dog's active, healthy life. Look at the label. We want you to. Red Barn Naturals Pet Food. Simply the best. Find it in your local pet specialty store. Visit RedBarnInc.com to save a dollar on Red Barn grain-free canned food. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com.
guys, we're back. Thanks for hanging out for the break. And I hope that you're already looking up on your phone pinups for pit bulls. And you're like, wow, what is that? What is that? Should we talk to the person who knows exactly what that is? Let me please welcome my guest, Deirdre Franklin. Hi, Deirdre. I'm so happy to have you. Welcome Hi, to Pets Jamie. Mean Business. This is so exciting. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Oh my gosh. Thank you for being my guest. I know that you're incredibly sought after and this is a busy time for you with the calendar and retail and everything else. So I'm really grateful that you took some time to spend here with us. So, you know, I you heard my intro and I just put pinups for pit bulls out there because I love saying the name, even though obviously I can't get it out that easily. Pinups for pit bulls. What must people think when they hear that, when they hear that title? What is the first thing that people typically will ask you? You say when you just mention the name, having no understanding of who you are really. What what kind of things do people conjure up when they hear that? Uh, you definitely get question marks above their head immediately. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes they're like, does that mean that the dog stresses pinups or what does that mean? And I, I definitely appreciate that visual as well. Yeah, um, it's awesome. I mean, it's a great visual. And it's a great, I mean, the way that it sounds, pinups for pit bulls, it's very like, you know, it definitely makes you raise an eyebrow or two until you understand what it is. It's Absolutely. Great. And that's, that's definitely part of the intent. Some people, depending on the age that they are or the age range that they come from, some people associate pinups immediately with um, the early days of models and, you know, nudes and Playboy and things like that. So sometimes they get a little too racy of an image in their head and then we have to scale them back and help them understand it's cheesecake and it's fun and it's light and office friendly. Are you ever able to like know who are going to be the people who are thinking more on the risque level versus the cheesecake level? Can you tell who those people are before you oh, even say what it is? Absolutely, yeah. I mean, certain gentlemen <laughs> at the table will be like, "Ooh, what's this? You know, and then we show them and it's still, it's still definitely appealing. Um, <laughs> but sometimes, I mean, I think we've even had challenges with getting grants in our um, nonprofit sector because of the name, because I think sometimes some of the older generation might just make assumptions and not really give us a chance. So that happens. And isn't that well. poetic? Isn't that It poetic, is. It makes right? perfect sense since pitbulls also get the same kind of, you know, fear and silly assumptions. Wow, that that's a really interesting relationship between the name and, and the message and the and the and the whole um, just the whole vision and and all the momentum behind it. So let's talk about you. Let's okay. talk about you. Let's talk about you. So you're the founder and president, and I think you call yourself or you've been referred to as the soul behind Pinups for Pitbulls, which is a 501c3, correct? That is correct, yes. Okay. So, you know, you founded the organization back in 2005, and obviously, I think we've already alluded to the fact that, you know, the the, the message or the work behind what you're doing is to dispel the myths of and combat breed-specific and discriminatory laws as it relates to pit bulls in particular. But I think all all breeds, right? All, all dogs, all yeah, the absolutely. Because dangerous, quote-unquote, dangerous slope. breeds. Exactly. So it, is a, it is a slippery slope, I would so agree. It definitely and you started have... out pit bull-specific, and then as we went on, we realized how many other, you know, issues there were surrounding this topic and... So we, we definitely do things on a more general level to help all dogs as individuals. So have you actually changed your changed your tagline or are you are, do you talk about specifically, do you talk about breed specific or do you talk about pit bull awareness or both? We talk about dog awareness in general and pit bull awareness. Yeah, we just, Great. once we have people's attention, we help to bring it back to center. Right. Well, in your background, I know you have a master's degree in public policy, which obviously has helped, I would imagine, has helped you to shape some of the, the work that you're doing. But can you talk to me and talk to all of us about you know, what happened before 2005? Because obviously something happened to have you found an organization such as Pinups for Pitbulls. And obviously, I mean, let's, let's just talk about your story and your picture and kind of what, 
you know, how you got to where you are today. But obviously, it's a very long story. And I want to I want to really be thoughtful about what it is that we that we talk about, because I think that probably through your journey, there's really there's points of great meaning. And then there's lots of points in between that. So let's talk to me a little bit about what happened in 2004. And I don't know if anything happened in 2004. I'm assuming that because you founded the organization in 2005. So what was going on in 04? Well, it started a little bit before that. I adopted a dog named Carla Lou. And uh, well, she was Carla at the time, but I adopted her sight unseen. I had always dreamed of having a husky wolf kind of dog in my life. And I never thought about pit bulls, never entertained the thought at all. And uh, I was working in a shelter at the time. And I wanted to help a dog that was in our shelter who happened to be a pit bull type dog. And I found out that our shelter policy was to euthanize all pit bulls regardless of their temperament. And so in trying to help this dog who was eventually euthanized, I'll give you the short, short story. In trying to help that dog, I found a rescue that was trying to help me rescue that very dog. And they you mean a rescue up. organization? At rescue organization, mm-hmm. um, uh, they tried okay. to help me pull the dog from the shelter I volunteered at, and the shelter basically said, "Sorry, it's our policy; it's insurance reasons. Um, this dog will mm-hmm. be euthanized regardless of what you want us to do." But in mm-hmm. trying to help me do that, this rescue let me know that they had a dog uh, who'd been abandoned in a basement in Texas and who was looking for a home. If I was interested in applying for her, and this was like 1997 or so, yeah. and so I was like, "You know what? You tried to help me with this other dog. Like, who knows what's going to happen?" But I'll just take a chance. And I was 19 years old at the time. I flew her across the country, sight unseen. I, re- I genuinely didn't see a picture of her till the night before I picked her up. And I didn't know what I was getting myself into, especially being that I worked for a shelter that, you know, believed that these dogs must be such a problem that they shouldn't be alive at all um, or given a chance. And so I picked her up from Newark Airport and I fell madly in love with her. She fell madly in love with me. We moved around the country. Different things happened. But then we lived in New York City during... 9-11, and we had a very emotional kind of deeper bond, I think, from that because she was the only, really the only thing in my life at the time. Um, and so I wanted just to, the more my story went on, the more I realized I wanted to do, I had the capability of doing something and I needed to do something to help people understand that these dogs don't deserve the rap that they're getting. My dog is barking with the dog in the background. Sorry about is that. that. Is that <laughs> yeah, that's Dexter making sure that he's heard. Then uh, a few years later, I ended up volunteering it at post-hurricane Katrina um, in New Orleans and Lamar Dixon, which was in Baton Rouge, helping all of the Katrina survivors and pulling them off the streets and out of houses. And that was kind of my major turning point because all of the dogs that I was working with predominantly were pit bull type dogs. And I was wondering, you know, A, are these dogs being left behind because nobody cares about them? Or are these dogs being left behind because nobody will let them take them with them? Or what was going on? And so that was really like my my ultimate turning point where I said, something needs to be done. This isn't right. Like, why are these dogs, the main dogs being left behind? Why are these dogs unclaimed when other dogs were having their people come back for them. And and so I just, I realized I had the power to do something about it because the reason I was able to get to New Orleans was I had a MySpace following from my pinup photography modeling shoots that I was doing. And people helped raise money to send me to New Orleans to help be there since they couldn't. And I started to realize like people believe in me as their voice. People are believing in me to go and, you know, be actionable on their behalf and I started to realize, like, I have a following. I have a pinup photographer who wants to take pictures of me and be involved that way. And I had an audience. And so why not start something that, you know, kind of ties all of that together? And I really thought it would be a simple, like, Kinko's type calendar. 
I didn't think it'd be anything that would be my career 10 years later or that I'd have hundreds of applicants. So that's the beginning. (laughs) I wanted to know, so I I hear all of this stuff in your background that seems fairly dog-centric. Tell me a little bit about the non-dog part of your life. So what happened, you know, before before dogs entered the picture in terms of a professional endeavor. So before you, you know, started working at the animal shelter or, you know, obviously launched this company, what what was going on in the non-dog world for you? I've always genuinely been a dog person, even as a child. Like that song, If We Could Talk to the Animals, um, was one of the songs mm-hmm. that I danced to in my recitals as a little kid. And I just always really identified with animals, um, even in high school. What my high school required us to volunteer forget if it was like 10 hours a semester or something like that. And I always prioritized either working with the elderly or working with animals in shelters. And I think that really just kind of formed who I was and who I was always meant to be. But my day jobs have ranged from everything from bartender to burlesque performer to I was actually in foreclosure mitigation and a mediator in court for um, helping homeowners retain their homes. And that actually was an interesting parallel when I was first starting Pinups because so many of my clients in you know risking losing their homes were worried about what will happen to their animals and how will they keep them and so all of these things I feel like were kind of aligning themselves little by little even though it wasn't necessarily a direction I knew was going to become a career. Yeah, so did you ever when you look back at that right now or when you look back at being in it, did it seem like did you feel yourself moving towards this inevitability of working in in the animal industry? Did it seem like that was going to happen or do you feel like you know, you had to push a little bit more. I feel like it was a really, it was a hard climb. Mm-hmm. I feel like even to this day, 10 years later, it's a hard climb. I always, I think, wanted to work with animals in some regard, but it seemed borderline hopeless, to be honest, that I always was a volunteer or somebody who was coordinating things for other groups. And I think because I was such a passionate and independent person, I sometimes wasn't necessarily the best fit for jobs that were, weren't things that I was coming up with myself. That makes sense. It sounds like you're saying that I hear this a lot in kind of the um, business world, so to speak, but very general term business world, but there's like, there are creatives in business and then there are business minds in business. And it sounds like what I'm hearing you say is that you tend toward the creative mindedness. Absolutely. And my parents were business people. I mean, they were both entrepreneurs and they were both people who kind of worked in the private sector and then went off into the nonprofit sector. Um, but I think they were a large um, part of that inspiration as well to be independent and to find ways to make my f- circle fit in the square, so to speak. <laughs> so I like that. Um, I like that. So you, you mentioned that kind of an uphill climb from, I don't know, I guess we'll just kind of mark in time 2005 to till now. Do you still feel like that? Do you still feel like there are days or weeks or months or even periods longer than that where it feels like the, the light at the end of the tunnel is getting further or do you feel like it's kind of stayed the same distance or do you feel like it's closer? How would you how would you characterize that? In terms of our mission or in terms of the business side of things with Pinups? No, just in terms of, I guess, you know, that's a great that's question. I don't totally know. I'll let you answer how I feel. Okay. Yeah, you're <laughs> totally like, right. Yeah, you're when right. It comes, yeah. When it comes to breed or like pit bull perception and breed bands and shelter euthanasia and things like that, I think things are getting a lot better. I definitely feel like we've been an element of why that is changing for the better. Um, We've been a voice from a positive perspective for a really long time, and a lot of other organizations chose to take kind of the bum people out and make them feel sad approach, and we did the opposite and wanted people to feel inspired and wanted people to be empowered to be able to to use their voice and use their abilities in their communities 
to make a change happen. And I absolutely, without a doubt, believe that that is happening and change is happening and for the better. Um, and like, for instance, most, we're not quite at half of the states yet, but a good majority of the states in this country have banned breed-specific legislation from their state level. So that's pretty amazing. And that's been yeah. from, you know, groups like ours and groups that are similar to ours who are just working night and day in their communities to make that change happen. And that's inspiring because years ago it wasn't so, like that. Um, that's right. But from, so that's where the light's really bright on that side. That feels absolutely. like the light. Absolutely. Like, Absolutely. And there's so many more people getting involved now, which is amazing, which is really what we wanted was to rally people to do things where they are, because if more of us were doing that, we wouldn't, we'd put ourselves out of business, which I'd be very happy doing, knowing that my dog is just safe. You know, that's the ultimate goal. That's a really interesting point, the advocacy, um, I think just the movement towards and the growth of advocacy in general for, for all different types of animal groups, breeds, et cetera, has really just exploded over the last, I'd say, half a decade, maybe a little bit more. The I major that, turning point with that, too, if, if I may. when the Sure, of course that, you may. I'm not going to say his name, so we'll just leave it at when that professional football player got in trouble years yep. ago. That was a major turning point for pitbull animal advocacy especially. Um, people finally opened their ears and eyes to the fact that these dogs were being victimized. And before that, I felt like I was screaming at a wall. So yeah, even as actually... terrible as that situation was, I feel like one of the most positive things that came from that was people actually care now about these dogs. And people didn't necessarily care before because they believed that these dogs were monsters before that, you know. So that okay, so let's talk about that. Sure. <laughs> so let's call him Voldemort. <laughs> let's call him oh, Voldemort like right now. <laughs> yeah, right? So, in fact, I'm just going to share a quick, just a kind of a point of connection here for us. Sure. So I, uh, for a little bit, I worked for Animal Planet because um, I'm a dog trainer. That's my professional background. And the company who does some production work for Animal Planet is here. I live in Chicago. They're here in Chicago. They have an office here. And um, so I was hired by Animal Planet or actually by a production company that worked for Animal Planet to be behind the scenes on set Animal Trainer for a series called Animal Witness. Listen, it was a short-lived series. We did 18 episodes. We were proud. The show itself was the premise is that animals that solved crimes, right? So... Please look it up. It's super fun, guys. <laughs> so, the, awesome. so there would be all, all of these, like, there's like the crime, the drama, like lots of reenactments, you know. And these cases kind of made the headlines that involved an animal as related to being in some circumstance around the animal that related to being able to solve the case. So, you know, kidnappings where the kid had dog hair on them or a, a bird that witnessed the, you know, murder of his owner and something with the bird DNA. And I mean, there's literally 18 episodes. Well, one of the episodes we did was, and this actually was, I think, if I remember correctly, this is obviously many years ago, but it received, you know, some awards, and it was like it got, it had massive ratings, and it was like, the, you know, it was a, a big deal for Animal Plant, but they did the Michael Vick story, and so I was the trainer for that, and so we went up, and we were, our set was a, we found a kennel farm up in Wisconsin. I had to hire part of my job as a trainer, so I was also the casting director for the pets, for the animals, and so I would have to, you know, so we ran basically a we ran from our office here in Chicago, we ran a casting company for animals. And so I brought a bunch of dogs up to the farm and we spent, you know, it was a 19 or 20 hour day on set shooting these scenes. And uh, I mean, we were, they were graphic and they were reenactments of, you know, all of the different aspects that that were brought to light in the stories and in the media and the press about what happened, what he actually did and how he did it. And right. so I, I, I had this like 
I hardly think about this, Deirdre, so I'm, I'm actually kind of, it's kind of strange to be even talking about this. It seems like a different life for me in terms of my own career, but because I had this intimate experience in, you know, reenacting that entire debacle and situation and, and actually handling the dogs that had to reenact for all of these different scenes, to me, I have this thing in my mind where there's no way that could have been real. Right. Yeah, it's hard. I, I mean... There's just no way. I mean, I remember filming these scenes and, whole, and handling these animals. And, I mean, they were obviously, these were actor dogs, and we were putting them in these scenes. Obviously, the humane society is there. Were obviously, these animals are treated like gold. I want to make sure that we're clear on that. But just remember, like, that, I just remember feeling like during that entire day of shooting and even, like, in post-production and, you know, even watching it air on TV, watching all of this and, like, knowing what went into it and from a production perspective and from a training perspective and from a casting perspective, like, watching it and seeing this outlook more like this, this had to be, this had to be a fiction. This had to be a fictional story because there's no way that this could have actually happened this way. So my point is that I think you're exactly right that because of that, it did cast such a larger net of awareness on people, whether they are pit bull advocates or even dog lovers at all. And so I guess it's the question whether in some completely bizarre universe that we're glad that this happened. Glad's the yeah, wrong that's word. like I saying just, that um, the Holocaust yes, happening was a good thing. I know, I know. <laughs> I'm so glad it's not the right word, but my goodness, I wonder if his behaviors and his actions and what he did really statistically if that was the best possible thing for the cause i think from a rational standpoint it's the best thing that has happened to the cause i definitely wouldn't give him the credit in terms of making that change happen but the change happened yeah it was such an interesting turning point because i i really felt before that you know i was putting out this calendar and i was tabling at events and i was you know trying to do these things but it was genuinely like you know, kind of like shaking each other's hands, being like, we're doing great work with, with each other, you know, and we weren't getting to the to the people we needed to get to, to the ignorant or the unconverted or even people who just genuinely had no idea. So that was like, all of a sudden, I had every media outlet under the on the planet, like calling me and interviewing me and asking me things and asking me to be, you know, an expert in this regard. And I also wasn't at the time. I was just a girl who loved my dog who was making a calendar and really wanted to know what I was talking about. And so I kind of had to hurry up and get my stuff together and know what I was talking about, you know, because I was suddenly talking to the Associated Press and, you know, the Fox News and all these people with my dog on TV and having to figure it out as I was going, (laughs) you know. What year was that? How many frame that? I feel like I'm really bad with years. I feel like that was yeah, me too. 2008. I want to say. No, no, we'll go with. Okay. Um, yeah, well, you could definitely do like a Google News search, and there would be like I know we could. I know. Of, oh no, I'm just saying like <laughs> it was the most press we've ever, the most interest we've ever had, really, like in terms of like all eyes on the cause and people actually wanting to know more and wanting to do better. So does Voldemort still come up when you're at events or you're speaking somewhere? Yes, but less and less. And most of the time, I, I really won't engage it other than for what we were just talking about. Yeah, um, no. And I, I mean, I lived in Philly when it happened and when he became okay. our Eagles player. <laughs> so I was like, it was actually like the most ridiculous, one of the most ridiculous moments of my life because I'd never been to a professional football game. My husband was the chief credit officer of a bank in Philly at the time and had tickets to their preseason game to take a client. And he offered to take me with him. And I, like I said, I'd never been to a football game. And I was like, sure, I'll go. I'll be the, you know, I'll comply with going to a football game. And it wasn't really my scene. But of course, like the only game I ever go to is the game where suddenly I take a picture of the Patriots and Eagles behind me and 
somebody on Facebook says, too bad they just signed Michael Vick. And I was like, really? <laughs> like, of all the places to be on the planet, <laughs> of all of the things to happen to me, really? <laughs> so, but the amazing thing was, which most people don't know about, is nobody was announcing it at the game, but people were reading their phones and getting up and leaving. And it was the most magical moment I've ever witnessed, like in terms of people just solidarity, like people were just getting up and leaving in the hundreds and bartenders weren't putting out drinks because they were all disgusted and reading their phones and talking to each other. And it was just amazing. Like the whole place pretty much got up and walked out. And that was magical. So. (laughs) <laughs> I was going to say that there's definitely a silver lining to that moment. Yeah, into that story. absolutely. But I was there. like, of all the places, seriously? Like, that was there. Like, come on. Come and on. Like, seriously? Really? No, I'm never like football. Um, yeah. <laughs> let's, uh, like, I've never even, what? Um, right, listen, we're going to take a quick break. I feel like, yeah, let's take a break. Let's, I think this is a good time so we can stop talking about Voldemort and move on to things that are more just better and happier and more all yeah. about you and your, and your, Sunshine and, and your beautifulness. Thanks. You are just beautiful. All right, so we're going to take a break, everybody. I'm Jamie Migdal. I'm your host on Pets Meet Business here on Pet Life Radio Network. We're talking with Deirdre Franklin, the founder and the hostess with the mostest. Is that a word? I think that is, for pips for pit bulls. And we'll, we'll get more into her business model and you know the story um, behind the story when we come back from the sponsors. Thanks. We'll be right back. It's designerpetsweaters.com. Hand-knitted designer sweaters for your precious pup or cool cat. Beautiful couture patterns for your pets, including custom-knitted formal wear, casual wear, yachting, and even sports-themed. Many designer pet sweaters include feathered tammy hats, top hats, and a lot of sparkle. Each sweater includes leg loops, front paw sleeves, and leash opening. Visit designerpetsweaters.com to order your four-legged fashions today. Your pets will stay warm for the winter and be runway ready. Large or small, we fit them all. Designerpetsweaters.com Looking for the best advice on pet health, safety, and travel? Connect with the Pet Lady. Dana Humphrey, also known as the Pet Lady, will surely be in a city near you real soon. She will be spreading the good news for pets and pet lovers from tips on dog and cat care, pet industry trends, and the best events for you and your four-legged family members. Need a great gift idea or insights on the hottest pet gadgets? Simply follow the Pet Lady on Twitter at PetLadyWorld. You can also learn more at thepetlady at thepetlady.net. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. Hey, everybody. We're back. Hello, Deirdre. You're still with me, I hope. Yes. Okay, great. That was a very emotional way to come out of the last part of our section talking about your most hated thing in the whole world. But now, like you said, we're going to talk about (laughs) unicorns and raindrops and gummy bears and things. So let's talk about the calendar. Let's talk about your business. Let's talk about where you're at today and uh, and what your hopes hopes and dreams around that. So let's talk. So obviously, we talked a little bit about the origin story and um, and some of the things that uh, that went into you creating the calendar. But what? How did you know that this was going to be something? First of all, how many years has the calendar been in print? I think this is was our ninth calendar, tenth year. Yeah, ninth calendar, tenth year. Whatever. I think that generally right now we can go with generals. That's perfectly fine. So you've had, so for talking, let's do some fast math, about 120 models? At least, yeah. 
Okay, at least. Some of the years um, we had multiple people in the pictures and some of the years we had repeat people. Okay. In so the let's talk years. about the calendar. So the calendar is awesome. It's for sale right now. Let's just do a little bit of, you know, pub. So where can people find the calendar? At pinupsforpitbulls.org. Okay, how much is it? It's $25 plus shipping and shipping is done by a priority mail and we ship internationally as well. Okay, how many have you sold so far for 2016? May I, I have ask? no idea. <laughs> okay, good. Um, so that's had a whole conversation on the business side. That's awesome. I love that you know. <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, no, I love <laughs> a that. lot. Just seriously, please. how about that? Okay, good. A lot. Uh, well good. over a thousand. I know that for sure. Love, love that. Is this is obviously so? Is this so? From a business model perspective, just to go into that, is this obviously this is the way that this is the main revenue source for the yes. organization? Correct. Okay. Yes, and, and we also during our model call is the other side of the main revenue source, which is people pay to submit. They, they donate $50 to submit. Yep. Right. Donate. I'm sorry. We'll use that language because it is the right language. And then, but you also, I met you actually at a show, at a pet show, a uh, family pet show. You're also selling really amazing merchandise as well. So is that also another revenue stream for the organization? Yes. Or are you doing yep. that through the store? Our main funding is through our merchandise. So okay. whether that's t-shirts, mugs, calendars, all of those things, that's how we raise the money to, to keep going forward. We're not grant funded. We don't have a grant writer. One of the things you're helping us with is trying to find a grant writer. So but yeah, so right now and for the last decade, it's been truly from calendar sales and merchandise sales. I have a Pinups for Pitbull sticker on my laptop. I would like to let you know. Aww, thank you. Uh, I know. It's the one with your face. Uh, it says little darlings, pinups for pit bulls. Take my leash, not my life. We've had people read the shirts that say "Take my leash, not my life," and either come up and jumping up and down, really excited, or stop breathing and just stand there and start crying. <laughs> just an amazing really? reaction. I'm like, it means so many different things to different people. It's fascinating to me. To me, it means you know, be involved as a dog handler and be responsible so that your dog you know, has a future. But to other people, I guess it means, you know, more euthanasia rates or whatever it is to different people. But it's fascinating to me that some people really like high five it or are like about to throw up from, you know, from being so upset. So it's pretty... You have to wonder too when people are feeling that. Yeah, where they're coming from. It's a very emotional, I mean, it's an emotional topic in general, but certainly your tagline does evoke many, many images and thoughts. Um, But does it ever make you wonder, I'm sure you're a very mindful, thoughtful, and intellectual person, that people are also coming from their own personal experiences outside of the animal world. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And it's, I mean, people in the animal world in general tend to be, Mm -hmm. you know, pretty empathic or compassionate or both. So they're hard on the sleeve kind of people. And that's definitely my kind of people. Yeah, me too. Can we talk about your store real quick? Sure. Yeah, Sorry. okay, so your store is in Asheville, correct? That's correct. Asheville, outside North of Carolina. Asheville? Okay. Mm-hmm. In downtown Asheville, Asheville. North Carolina. How long, is, uh, how long has Darling's been open? How long, when did it's you open your store? It's only been a year and about a couple weeks. We opened the Black Friday. Oh, Oh, I did not realize that. You know, I thought you were around for a little bit longer than that. Well, good for you. Congratulations on your one-year anniversary. How's it been? Thank you. Uh, it's been challenging. <laughs> it's retail, so yep. it's been yep. an amazing experience. The reason we really wanted to open the retail store was to have another way for people to come and get involved locally uh, with pinups for pitbulls, and also to help local rescue groups and shelters um, feature dogs, like on Saturdays and things like that. Come come out and get them adopted. Um, we had several adoption days, but surprisingly, not as many rescues in the area took us up on the offer. So it's hmm. been been one shelter primarily and we love them but it's interesting also you know in that world because I always kind of 
imagined being able to offer that to people and having that be beneficial to them, but I don't know logistically how challenging that really is on their end. So you're saying that you're surprised that more of the local shelters haven't taken you up on the opportunity to get their dogs out there yes. um, for adoption. And and so what do you think that's about? What would be your, what's your gut? Uh, probably competition in some ways. I think some people look at pinups for pit bulls and nonprofits when they're a nonprofit as mm. competing for dollars. Um, I don't see it that way right. at all. We've always been very inclusive. So that to me is always weird and surprising, but I think that is largely part of it. Um, and I'm sure also, you know, volunteer resources and having the time to get people downtown to get them exposed. But they do it at other, you know, businesses downtown. Or maybe it's relationships. And I'm not really sure. Sure, and you've been only, and this has been a year. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's been a year. So I'd uh, be curious to hear what your experience is a year from now. Are you are you in the store every day or do you have staff running the store for you? We don't have you staff. We, we tried to, but we don't. It's not lucrative enough yet to staff. Um, so we... When we're on the road, it's closed, which is you know, obviously challenging for the store. But I'm planning on staying behind and being less on the road in 2016 um, to hopefully help grow that and also nurture my own um, other creative endeavors in addition to running pinups. So, what are those? What are some of those? I like making things share? with my hands. I um, I like making like collages and little boxes, like jewelry box kind of things. And I don't know. I like collaging art in general. I think. Um, and I are don't do that enough. Things? Uh, no, not at all, actually. No. Interesting. <laughs> people are surprised by that like I just was. <laughs> I think I, I always go for kind of like interesting um, pop art kind of things or surreal art kind of things to mix together. And um, like Juxtapose magazine or High Fructose magazines are two of the magazines that I get a lot of the stuff out to collage from. Um, but no, I don't think they're, um, they're probably almost never animal themed, to be honest. Which is also Do you think this might be another? say that out loud, like, I'm like, hmm. <laughs> but you know um, what though I think that's healthy I gotta tell you right now I think that's yeah. healthy I think so too uh, I'm, I do. I think I'm catching myself with that having been on the road as much as I was this year as I'm really in a space where I need to stay home and you know nurture my my creative juices and snuggle my own dogs for a few weeks um, so that's yeah, definitely you mentioned that when we self-care I yeah, think you mentioned super that. important yeah and yeah, I preach it all I the time so catching myself and saying you know what stay home <laughs> it's time and I have a book due, so that doesn't help, you know, but it'll be great. Wait, you said you have a, you have a book due? Mm-hmm. I'm Tell co-authoring a book with a woman named Linda Lombardi, who I met. She's actually the person who wrote the Associated Press article about us years ago, and we've stayed in touch for years, and she was a zoologist for a very long time, and just a creative and interesting person, and um, is older than me, too, which I appreciate her perspective for that. Um, she comes from a totally different world and isn't an animal advocate per se. So we're writing a book. The working title right now is Life with Dogs, but it's a lot of it is the history of pit bulls, the history of dog fighting, but more currently what's going on in the world today and what people can do that want to get involved. Because one of the things that I hear so much is people who really want to do something, but they just don't know where to start. And so we kind of want it to be like almost a you know, dog advocates for dummies kind of style thing where people can kind of pick up and figure out where they fit and find a way to get started in that regard. What a great spin and what a great approach to take because I feel like that's part of this radio show too, I think, is people really wanting to get involved, whether it be for profit, nonprofit, whether it's taking their you know, their pet enthusiast to the next level, their pet enthusiasm to the next level, whether it's breaking out of the cubicle and pursuing their passions. I think you're 
a matter of where do I begin? Because there really is no obvious and clear way to begin to get into the pet industry. You know, we always talk about, and as a dog trainer, we have a school here for dog trainers. It's called Fet to Find Academy, and we have people who come through our class, and it's an eight to nine month program, about 50% academic, 50% hands on. And you know, before that class was created, we created this in 2008, it was, we call it a trail of breadcrumbs. So how do you, if you wake up one day and say, I really want to, in this case, be a dog trainer, what do you do? Like, how right. do you even begin to go about that? I want to open up a dog theme store. I want to be a groomer. I want, I want to rescue pit bulls. I want to work in a, in a bird sanctuary. I mean, anything. It's really, it's, it's such a, it's such a fringe, unfortunately, or maybe I don't know, maybe fortunately to some degree as well, but it is very fringe and it's not, it's not so clear. And so, you know, that's my life's work is to create opportunities and, and paths for people to get to the place where they can realize their dreams and they can pursue those things through, you know, easy, you know, through, an, you know, taking an easier path that so we have, you know, we have fetch find, as you know, right? So a job board specifically for people looking to work with animals. And now we have, we're launching a, a learning management system called Teacher's Pet, which is a learning platform just for people to get some really basic education about working with animals so they can take that and apply that into different verticals. So, you know, I do think all of that is changing. And so I'm very much, you know, I'm like, oh God, you're writing that book. That's amazing. Oh my gosh. This is, um, this is what the world needs right now. If, you know, there are all these amazing animal lovers out there who want to do this and it is hard to find their way in. So I'm so psyched. Thank truly you. psyched that you're doing this. I mean, when you get this ready, will you please like let's please let me help you with that. Let me let's get Absolutely. you back on the show. Let's, you know, let's get you on on Fetch Fine. Let's do whatever we can to help push this out because I, I think it's brilliant. Brilliant. Thank brilliant. you. I'm really excited. It was actually the first book that I was meant to write and then we I kind of rerouted my editor um, into doing the book that I ended up writing. Um, and now he's with a bigger publisher with Norton. And he told me, you know, if I ever wanted to try to do something like what we originally were planning to get a hold of him. And, you know, we did. And it, the rest is history, which is exciting. So I, I'm really excited about this because I feel like I was on an island for all of the years of trying to do anything good until I started Pinups for Pitbulls. And I feel like you shouldn't, not everybody is necessarily a leader and you shouldn't have to start from square one like there's so many people doing so many things that need resources and I love what you're doing because you're providing that kind of platform and I think you know a lot of people just assume everybody wants their hand to be held but I think some people just need a place to start that's right you know and and I feel like we'd be done what needs to be done if we were all working together and helping each other get to that point instead of castle guarding and protecting that information you know helping people realize that they can do what they need to do right where they are and you know, we can be in a better position if we just empowered people to do that. And we, as an organization, bring that information to people everywhere we can, but we can't be everywhere. And we, you know, I'm only one person and we have teams all over the country, but we still don't have teams everywhere in the world and we're not, probably not ever going to. So giving somebody a book that says like, here, you know, here's what's going on with the law. Here's what's going on with dog training. Here's what's going on with the past and why the past really doesn't matter in terms of where we're at right now. You know, as a lot of people with dog fighting really assumes to this day, you know, that these dogs are the taste for blood or whatever their silly concepts are in their minds. And they don't understand genetics and they don't understand these basic concepts of how dogs become who they are and how the, you know, the, the environment that they're in shapes that and the context that they're in shapes that. And so we really want to make it as simplified as humanly possible for people to understand how to defend dogs, but also keep dogs safe, you know. So I think it's going to be, I'm really excited about it. I have to actually start writing it. 
<laughs> researching for like seven yeah. months, <laughs> but I've not actually written more than 10 pages yet, and it's due in two months. So, but that's I'm why be you're getting home. on that shortly. Exactly. That's why, that's why I'm staying home and being with my pups. And I think now it's all ready to come out, which I'm excited about. But it's well, going to be good. You're, I can honestly, I, you know, I've, I've interviewed a lot of people and have been around some of the great minds in the, in the animal welfare world. You know, I've been really lucky. And I've got to tell you, Deirdre, and this is, I say this with, one, this is coming from an incredibly genuine and authentic place when I say this to you, that I could listen to you. Like, I, I almost hate to even, this whole time that we've been talking today, I've almost hated to say anything, even though I clearly have plenty to say. You're so, the way that you speak and the way that you present your ideas is so incredibly thoughtful and accessible. And I just want to tell you how much I appreciate that. And I'm, I'm quite sure that that is why you, you have been successful. And that's why you're getting the traction that you've gotten because, you know, your voice is both, I mean, your voice, you have a lovely speaking voice, but your, you know, your heart voice is so pure and so quietly, quite, it's just very radiant. And, you know, it's just been, it's been a real pleasure. I'm so happy to meet you last year and I'm so happy to be talking to you now and, and I'm giving you any kind of support that I can give you because you, you are one of the good guys, one of the good girls. You're just, you're just so all of that and it's just beautiful. So thank you so much. We're going to, Unfortunately, I have to say goodbye right now, but not for just goodbye for now, as they say, (laughs) because you're just you have so much incredible stuff to offer. Can you just go ahead? We'll have this up on the website too, all of your contact information. But just for the heck of it, just because I think that's what we do on these kind of radio shows is we just go ahead and give the website name. So if people want to jot that down, great. If not, it'll be somewhere they can grab on the Pets Mean Business website. But go ahead and give that out. Absolutely. Thank you so much for this opportunity, by the way. And the website is pinupsforpitbulls.org. We're also on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Great. And if they want to, if there's a, someone listening right now who's feeling as moved and inspired as I am right now, and they'd like to figure out ways to get involved in the book, obviously isn't available today. How can they reach you personally? They can go right to our contact form on our website, and there's a little box that they can specify what it is they'd like to do. We have uh, volunteer opportunities. We have street team opportunities. We have all different ways for people to get involved and to reach me and anybody in the organization. And if people ever need a courtesy post, if they know of a dog in need, we do courtesy posts as well. We get almost 700 dogs adopted a year just through our courtesy posts on social media. So if they need that, they can go through the contact form for that as well. But we... Yeah, we're, we're everywhere. So we'd definitely love to help wherever we are and what, however we can. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. And, uh, thank you. Yeah, yeah, it's been great. Really, it's been a, this has been a terrific, I don't know, maybe 30, 40 minutes, whatever it's been. It's been not enough and just really fantastic. So everybody, please join me in thinking, Deirdre Franklin, and, uh, and, and just uh, really ad- just lots of admiration for you, Deirdre, and all the work that you're doing. And again, very grateful you spent time with me here today. So everybody, next time, we'll talk to, I don't know, who can we talk to that's better than you? I don't know. We'll, we'll have to see. Um, you may have <laughs> just raised you. the bar so high. I don't know what you've done here. I'm going to have to figure this out. Don't forget, people can also apply to be models in our 2017 calendar, and that information's on our website as well. Great. And of course, the calendar's for sale now. Yep. Uh, you can get that calendar at pinupsforpitbulls.org. And, it is uh, hard to say. It is. I got to tell you, it's a little hard to say, but it's great. Yeah, that's why it's so great because that's kind of iter- iteration. Alliter- alliter- See, I can't even say any words anymore. That's, 
Actually, speaking of that, if, if we may end on a funny note, sometimes people are like, did you just say pinups for pickles? Yes. It does. You're advocating like for pickles to be in a safer environment and, <laughs> and less dill, more dill. I don't know. Kosher, not kosher. So that is always one of the ones that cracks me up. Pinups <laughs> for pickles. That would be a great calendar. Pinups for pickles would be actually a great calendar. How's that for a visual? You totally should do that. You, should, you know what? You should, should totally. just do a parody calendar. That could be your, yeah, that could be your retirement project. You can do pinups. I can see just the pickles coming. I can see all the free pickles on your uh, coming at you right now. Yeah. Delicious. All right, everybody. Jamie McDonald, your host on Pets Mean Business on the Pet Life Radio Network. Thank you so much for joining Deirdre and I today. And I uh, hope that you enjoyed the conversation and that she inspired you to follow your dreams and think outside the box and know that you too can change the world. See you next time. Let's Talk Pets. Every week, on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.